0: Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Welcome to Grill Nation with Jason Grill here on Talk980AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you listening today on GrillNationShow.com and TuneIn Radio as well as iTunes on podcast. Um, really fun show today. Thanks for all your support. Thanks for listening the last few weeks. I've gotten some great feedback on our shows. Appreciate you uh continuing to tune in and support us and always promoting our show via Instagram, social media, Facebook, Twitter. Appreciate you sharing our show and tuning in and sharing our iTunes podcast to your friends and family. I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation with Jason Grill. They are our title sponsors, our trusts, Bank of Kansas City, and Two West Advisors and Ryan Rink. Also, we have Bash Real Estate, Andrew Bash, guest coasting contributor, Catalyst, Government Affairs, Danny Piper is a contributor. The Rear KC, NJ Rieger Co., Ryan Mabee is a guest co contributor, and the Kansas City Power & Light District. I also want to thank Ryan uh, Weber for coming on last week. Uh, KC Tech Council uh, is a monthly guest on the show, as is Clifton Alexander at Reactor Studios. Um, on today's show, we are actually uh, throwing in a special little tidbit here at the beginning of the show. Uh, My guest and I have taped uh, three segments to follow about uh, Annie Presley. Annie Presley is in studio today on her career in government. Uh, We're going to break down the elections that just happened. More importantly, we're going to talk about kind of how Annie kind of got involved with fundraising, nonprofits, political campaigns, and now uh, as a publisher and author to talk to her about how that process goes uh, in publishing and becoming an author. She has a series of books. Called the Read This series. It's at readthis.guru and uh, really cool books. And it's exciting to talk to her about the books. They're doing very well and kind of just talk to Annie about entrepreneurship, uh, politics, the f- recent elections, uh, her background, and all of those great things coming up here on the show today. Uh, and we're also going to have a special segment with her in a second to talk about some fun stories from the road. Please connect with me on Twitter, at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat by my name, at Jason Grill. I love interaction on social media, and please keep those coming. Also, at grillnationshow.com, you can find all of our old shows, podcasts, and a picture of our guest. I'll put up a picture of today's guest, Annie Presley, as well. So we're going to have Annie on for a few minutes here. Uh, Annie, welcome back, or welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Our little uh, preview section here. So you've been on the road a lot throughout the years with politicians that we've all heard of. Sure. (laughs) Um, You uh, have worked in the inner circles with the Bushes, Uh, a lot of Missouri people we know. Um, I mean, what are your your thoughts about George W. now that he's been out of office now for, uh, what, about 10 years, 8 years? 8 years. Um, You got to know him when he was younger. Any good stories? I mean, everyone said they liked the guy because they wanted to have a beer with him.
1: Yeah, it's funny because he didn't drink. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. He
0: he doesn't drink anymore. He gave that up, right? He He sometimes will drink in
1: non-alcoholic bucklers, which we all tasted, and it's terrible.
0: I saw on Election Day he uh, got Mm -hmm. a dog.
1: Yes, he did get a dog. You know, he's been painting. And he (laughs) was here in Kansas City a month or so ago raising money for the Bush Center, which is his library, Mm -hmm. in um, Dallas at SMU on SMU campus. And he brought a bunch of his paintings that he'd made of foreign leaders. So he's he's, so he's a really he's got a lot of hobbies guy. these days. <laughs> a lot, he's a lot of a lot of fun and um, is still very very devoted to the veteran causes. He spends most of his time helping veterans. Just keep moving.
0: What was that like? And we're going to talk about this more, but um, kind of being on the road with someone when they're not president and then when they become president.
1: He was a good governor. Mm -hmm. Um, During the campaign, he was very careful to separate the gubernatorial staff from the political staff as required by law. He was really careful about that. But then he was on this Austin Powers kick in the campaign in 1999, and the second movie came out. (laughs) And he rented two different theaters and had all of the official people from the government go to the one theater and invited all the campaign staff to go to the other theater to watch the new Austin Powers movie. Interesting. It was fun. And then when we traveled on the plane, we had all these little um, figurines, like little GI Joe guys, but they were all from the Austin Powers movie. (laughs) And, you know, the protocol on the plane, your name is on the seat so that you sit in the right place. And it's all driven by seniority. And so he would always be able to find you. And if you were in trouble, it, you would sit on a figurine that poked you in the butt
0: <laughs> and you knew
1: he was after you. And so you could throw it back in his seat and acknowledge that he, you were aware of his, um, recognition that you hadn't done your best work.
0: Mm-hmm. What about uh George senior?
1: He's a hoot. <laughs> we saw him in March. My husband is a, um, decorated veteran mm-hmm. and we ran down to see him in Houston and he was funny. Stuck in that wheelchair because he's Parkinson's from the hips down and just fun, happy. I said, have you read the, how, how do you like the John Meacham book? It's about a thousand pages. And he just looked at me and he goes, it's just too long. Mm-hmm. And I said, so did you read it? And he said, no. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he loves college football. I know that. He's he a does. Texas a he, guy.
1: He's an A&M guy, and that's where his library is located, and it's beautiful. I think it's actually the coolest. I've been to almost every one
0: of them. Have you really? Yes, I have. I have not been to many of them at all, so I need to make those trips and check those out. They're
1: fantastic. Are they? Yeah, we got there too late in Atlanta to see Jimmy Carter's very recently, and we've got to get back down there. But um, I've been to almost every one of them now.
0: So, Annie, um, we're going to get into all these great subjects with you on the show today. Um, you've been based in Kansas City most of your life. What's that been like? Uh, is that, How did you manage that with all of these international and national things you did and campaigns and growing, you know, in politics?
1: It, it is find a way. I ended up marrying my, my original work, the fundraising for nonprofits, with the politics, and it worked out beautifully. Mm-hmm. So it kept me on the road. There is a fair amount of travel. But it, it – um, you just find a way to do it, and it just worked out great.
0: Yeah, you did do it, and I, that's always the hard thing is sometimes you feel like you have to get moved to D.C. to do a lot of this stuff, but you if you're special and you have the relationships, you can have a home base somewhere else now.
1: You know, I talk to a lot of political science classes and, and young people who are entrepreneurial, and I tell them a couple of things. One, don't lie, cheat, or steal. Just don't. Even if you're compelled, just don't do it, and that will keep you out of a lot of trouble. And if you can not burn bridges, that's also very, very helpful because you just don't know who's going to grow up and be governor. You just don't <laughs> we know. We don't know
0: that, especially in Missouri, when everyone that comes out of the woodwork here is a new person.
1: <laughs> you just don't know. And so the, the, the life's lessons have been very effective, and I think in politics it can get ugly. And, um, it worked out to just be a beautiful career for me, despite mm-hmm. the fact that I never did work in the government. I was always on the politics.
0: You're entrepreneurial. You wanted to be on right. the outside. That's right. Oh, well, so, uh, in our next segment, we're going to talk about our, uh, fun little election night we had at Fox four, which is another good opportunity. And I will mention too, that we are, uh, uh, have you started to come on ruckus now on KCPT. So, um, the show will be airing. I think we're on this week together, right?
1: I, I, I think so. I'm yeah. not sure who else on. And, Us and, uh, and, and Crosby
0: Kemper is going to be on. Oh, good. And, um,
1: <laughs> gosh,
0: she's the fourth. But it, it oh, Mike Sanders. I so think I'll go we'll wear be, red. We'll, we'll have a good show.
1: I'll wear red this week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Annie Presley um, is our guest today on the show. We're going to talk about the last. Weeks of elections. We're going to talk about her background. We're really going to get into her books and becoming an author and a publisher. Her company is called Ace Publishing. The books are called, it's part of the Read This series. They have three books. Read This When I'm Dead, Read This on Our Anniversary, and coming up, uh, before Christmas is Read This on Your Birthday. The website is readthis.guru. Uh, all the social media information is on there. It's going to be a fun hour today with Annie Presley. I appreciate you joining us today on the internet, on podcast, and on 980 a.m. We'll be right back after the break. Thanks for listening. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on a wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know. And welcome back to Grill Nation on KMBZ 980 and Talk980m.com. I appreciate joining us as well on iTunes and TuneIn Radio via podcast and at grillnationshow.com. I appreciate Mark for uh, putting up some new music for each of our guests every week. Uh, you've noticed that our intro and outro music sometimes changes up based on our guest and uh, excited to, uh, to see that happening again this week. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I'm also available on Facebook. Snapchat and Instagram at Jason Grill. Oh, man, what a what a week we had uh, last week with the elections. This this show will air on Saturday, so we've now had about a week and a half um, between the presidential race elections and all of our congressional and statewide elections. And on election night, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, guest commentate, if you will, political contribute to Fox News here in Kansas City, Fox 4, WDAF down in Westport, and that's always a really cool experience. And uh, for the last four years, I guess I started four years ago, maybe a little earlier doing that with him, we did um, we did it about every week in the 2012 election, and I got to know a, a person really well who actually is our guest today on the show. Uh, through that process, she she was the Republican uh, contributor and I was the Democrat, uh, contributor and analyst. And, uh, we were lucky enough to be asked back by our friend John Holt for the, uh, 2016 election night. And we had a lot of fun. Um, Annie Presley is joining me, uh, in studio today. She's a entrepreneur, but also has a lot of experience in the political world and in public policy. And, uh, one of the reasons why I wanted to have her on the show today was to talk about the elections we just went through, also talk about kind of her background and then really get into her, her new books that she's been publishing uh, through Ace Publishing, and she's an author and a publisher, and she has a really cool book that is entitled Read This When I'm Dead, and uh, she's got two others that are also in that same series, and we're going to talk about that as we go through the show, but I wanted to connect with Annie first on the election and whatnot and catch up with her on that. Annie, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Jason. Great to see you it's again. good to
0: see you too. So we uh, we spent a lot of hours with each other a few weeks ago.
1: Holy cow. Yeah. We were... <laughs> unprepared for what occurred.
0: So what what happens in TV is is that we kind of show up and then they put us on Facebook live immediately basically. <laughs> that was <laughs> no a prep. 10 minute segment. No prep. Yeah, right. what are your, what are you thinking about the elections? And that's because I think because we did it in 2012 and we were doing it every every week then. We had our own segment on Friday nights. We went on every primary and caucus night. And I think that was a lot of fun.
1: We did the uh, State of the Union.
0: Oh yeah. We were busy. So last night I was uh preparing for this interview and I was looking through my old YouTube pages. Uh man, I can't believe some of those things. I mean, I remember we uh, the State of the Union for Obama his his first one of his new administration, I think. I mean, I'm talking 4 or 5 years ago watching these videos. It's kind right. of funny. Right. So um what do you think of that experience? Uh what do you think of Election Night? We I walked into the room thinking that it would be a um We'd have some Democrats win in Missouri and some Republicans, and then I thought that Hillary would win the presidency. Uh, and then we ended up staying there until about 1 o'clock in the morning, and the election hadn't been decided yet.
1: <laughs> so you and I walked in at 6.30, Yeah. and you said, I think it's going to be a pretty early night. And I said, mm, I don't think so, but I didn't expect what happened. So we mic up at 6.30, mm-hmm. and we did our last live shot at midnight. Yeah. That's crazy. And,
0: and we could have kept going because the election's – uh, Missouri elections and Kansas elections had been decided, but we still had a lot of federal elections out. Were, uh, so anyways, so we're, what were your? You were shocked a little bit by the Missouri re- results, right? I was With governor's race.
1: I was actually very shocked because some of the ads were so demoralizing for some of those Republican candidates, but it, somehow it didn't seem to matter. They ran the tables anyway. So
0: why did you think that um, Republicans were going to do so well in this election? And why did you why were you not as surprised as I was with regards to these races? I,
1: I expected Hillary to win and oftentimes when the presidential goes one party then the other parties are selected on the down ballot. So mm-hmm. that was kind of what I was expecting to happen. Although the governor's race I was surprised by and, um, the closeness of the Cleaver race I was surprised by. <laughs> what did
0: that finish at? Do we know?
1: I don't, I don't even <laughs> we, know.
0: We kind of assume that when Emmanuel Cleaver runs that he's going to win because he's had the same opponent, what, for seven or eight different times. So, so
1: yeah, Jacob Turk has pretty good name ID now.
0: <laughs> yeah, he does. And,
1: and there was a little bit of throwing the rascals out that, that we saw a little bit of that, particularly, I guess that's what happened to Coster. It didn't happen to Roy Blunt, right. which, was actually a little bit surprising since he was the U.S. Senate candidate and the same party as Trump.
0: So what's interesting is is that he ended up winning by three points over Jason Kander in a state where Hillary lost by I think nineteen points. Right. So Kander essentially picked up sixteen percent of the Trump voters. The slack, uh, right? So that's pretty interesting. You know, with all of the campaigning against him, uh, connecting him to Hillary, uh, I, I assume that's just because of his campaign operations and. Working his tail off across the state. He had two great
1: ads, too, though. Remember that one where he's putting the gun together blindfolded? Oh, sure, that sure. made the New York Times, so that right. was super exciting. Mm-hmm. And then the other ad, which I thought was very, very effective, was painting Roy Blunt's family oh, sure. as lobbyist, wife, three adult children. And um, that, w- that was pretty effective.
0: So um, why do you think that Trump won the election?
1: I think he actually saw and heard on the trail – what no one else wanted to believe, and that was people are mad. Mm -hmm. I mean, people from all walks of life are just mad at government and feel like it's ineffective and it's just operating for those who are in it and know how it works, and he just kept seeing it and feeling it, and obviously it came through in the primary. And no one picked up on it. Mm -hmm. And the research that's come out sort of after the election, even about the Obama administration and the loss of governorships and Senate seats and house seats and even state legislative seats. Mm -hmm. It's pretty clear that it was happening and no one caught on. And Donald Trump was the only one who caught on and he just ran it.
0: Yeah. And, um, the, it's amazing how, much of a stranglehold now that the republicans have on the state houses like you said um i I, there's been over a thousand seats lost since obama took office in state in state house legislative houses houses. right um and and, you know we don't redistrict until 2020 with the census so the democrats are going to have to win a ton of seats back in the next election 2018 if they want to be able to set the map and the districts for (laughs) the next uh, few presidential elections and and congressional races and state races, because in Missouri, I mean, it's all Republican. There's no checks and balances anymore. Um, And either in the, in the federal level, but um, it'll be interesting to me to see what happens because we're already seeing Trump kind of moderate his positions a little bit on Obamacare and about immigration and about the wall. Um, But he also is, bringing a lot of insiders to his team, right? First transition team. So he's going to have to really walk that balance between throwing the bums out and having actual people that know what they're doing in his administration. And it's a
1: pretty sticky wicket because the people who tend to know the most are the lobbyists. They study it full time. Mm -hmm. They work it all day long every day. And there's just no getting around that. You can't Mm -hmm. expect others who aren't in the business or in the industry to understand the nuances and the details of each particular industry. So there, there's kind of no way around that, but I'm hopeful that he will be able to find some people who bring kind of a fresh look because people want, they, they voted for a monkey wrench
0: mm-hmm. to be
1: thrown into Washington and they, they hired him to do that. And there is an expectation that he will do that and he needs to do something pretty quickly.
0: He does. He really does. And it's a tough, tough, tough. He's going to get heat on both sides, right? Whoever he puts in there, but it wouldn't have
1: mattered who was elected. The heat comes from both sides now. There's, there's just no middle ground anymore.
0: There isn't. Um, there's not a real place for guys like me anymore. Or me, moderate, the moderate, conservative Democrat. Um, you know, I need to pitch myself to some of the national any and say, "Hey, we need a Midwestern moderate on here because everyone on TV is so to the, to the extreme." Um, you
1: know, I blogged a couple of years ago about the uh, makeup of the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. and um, it is not diverse. No, it's not. Everybody's from Yale or Harvard. There's not a single person from the Midwest, and they all are sort of elitists in and of themselves, and there's a little bit of um, religious diversity. There's a little bit of
0: ethnic diversity,
1: diversity, but there's really not anybody from what we – here is called flyover country where we live yeah and i think it makes for a um an interesting out outcome for him because he has an opportunity to you know why can't somebody from mu or ku or umkc law school be on there why not
0: yeah i mean we're i i understand the arguments for harvard yale type people but at the end of the day i think your education is somewhat similar you're really getting the network at those schools that you get you know with the the connections in so some of these bigger schools. This is
1: the biggest problem with Washington right, right now is everybody thinks it's wired. Mm-hmm. Rigged.
0: <laughs> and so
1: the the idea is that somebody else could is perfectly capable mm-hmm. of being on the Supreme Court without having attended Yale or Harvard. And so it's 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 an opportunity for him, mm-hmm. certainly.
0: Yeah. Because he is gonna have at least one appointment for sure. We know that for yes. sure. There is an opening. Well, Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I hope, lives to lives another eight to ten years so she can uh well, so that seat t- won't be filled, but but there are like three, I think, uh just as in their eighties or early late seventies um that potentially could could step off the bench or pass away. So um we'll get into that later with your books, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um and then we got fifty seconds left in the seven but we've seen all these protests around the country. It's pretty interesting. I, I didn't expect it.
1: No. After all Who the coming the together,
0: the unity, you know, the White House visit, uh, Hillary Clinton's words, which I think were, we're right on. All of the political people are saying the right things, uh, but people are pissed.
1: Even the president has been reaching out. You know, it's, it's a little bit stunning, though, that violence has become the operative word for these protests because I, I don't know how that makes the Democratic Party feel better about itself. That I just don't understand.
0: Yeah, I. If uh, you go to my Facebook page, uh, I put something up there. Like the day of, I thought it'd be like a one or two day thing, and people were livid about it. Um, but yeah, we got to move forward. Right. Pro- protests are good in some respects, but at some point, you gotta, you gotta, try to work together with the party in power. We're talking to Annie Presley, who's the publisher and author of H Publishing. We we'll write back on Grill Nation. Thank you.
1: First things first, I'm the realest, realest Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it And I'm still in the murder business I can hold you down Like I'm giving lessons in physics right, right. I belong with you You belong with me you my my sweetheart I belong with you You belong with me you my my
0: sweetheart Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill Thanks for listening today on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, on the internet at GirlNation dot com or at uh talk nine eighty dot com. Also thanks for listening today on nine eighty AM. We're talking to Annie Presley, who is a uh entrepreneur, a public policy uh a political fundraiser back in the day. Now she has three awesome books. Uh the first one is called Read This When I'm Dead. We're gonna get into that in a little bit. She also has another one called Read This on Our Anniversary, and then one coming out called Read This on Your Birthday. It's a really creative, innovative book books that she's writing that everyone could use and um It's a really cool story. I'd I'd love to talk to her more later on about uh, how she became a publisher and author and how that process works. But first, Andy, let's hear about your background. You, um, uh, I believe, kind of started a, you've always been kind of an entrepreneurial type person, but also a person that loves public policy and relationship building. Kind of talk to us about your background. I know uh, you've done a lot of different things, but um, got into politics kind of at an early age.
1: Early age. So I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, which is kind of the, Bible we're, Belt. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, the Holy Rollers. But, but very effective place to learn to appreciate politics. And I was growing up, Jack Danforth, Kit Bond, John Ashcroft. I met Roy Blunt when he was the clerk of the Greene County Court. Mm-hmm. These guys all grew up with great careers, and I actually just sort of hung on to their coattails. So I started volunteering in high school when Kit was running for reelection. In uh, seventy six, for governor, he lost. He ran again in eighty. By then, I was at Mizzou, yeah, and helping, that. helping campaign there, and then um, graduated. He had an office, governor's office, in in Kansas City, and just kept getting calls to to help, to help volunteer, do this, do that. I interned for Ashcroft when he was attorney general. And I was at school in my pursuing my political science degree, mm-hmm. and just stayed in touch with these. these and you guys. did you did a
0: lot of finance stuff for Kit Bond.
1: Well, I bec- became his finance director mm-hmm. as a as a uh, the only woman in the ninety one ninety two campaign. And this is when Bill Clinton and and Ross Perot beat George Herbert Walker Bush for re-election. And Kit was one of two Republicans who won nationally that year. And I was the only female finance director. So, so that, that was kind a big of really deal.
0: that really kind of. Rocket shipped you to kind of get into the financial fundraising world,
1: right? And so I had been doing fundraising already, mm-hmm. um, primarily on the nonprofit side, and then I be, realized that there was this opportunity to marry the political fundraising with the nonprofit fundraising and, and help a lot of a lot of people.
0: Okay, so you you started your own company. I did the Group. After
1: Kit was reelected, I decided I never really ever wanted to work for the government, and he offered me a job with his official staff. And I decided to start a fundraising company instead. So mm-hmm. the McKellar Group was born in 93, um, and it was a second business. I had already started one business and sold it prior to going to work for kids. So this was actually my second business, and it was very, very successful. We did a lot of really cool stuff, like the Science City Union Station campaign at $272 million was the largest in the country. That was fun. There were lots of Exciting events like George Brett's induction to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and his favorite charity was the local ALS chapter, and we raised over a million dollars for it. I mean, just really great yeah, stuff. Yeah, so you helped
0: raise more than seven hundred million for charities and political figures, in well, in your lifetime, I have, I which have is indeed. amazing to me. And I, I can't, I'm not a fundraiser. I hated asking people for money when I was a politician, but it's something you got to do.
1: You know, the greatest thing about my path is that I never worked for anybody I didn't believe in. I actually turned down work. Mm-hmm. and so I was never in a position where I felt compromised or I was working for someone I didn't agree with and occasionally I would get a little bit further down the path and find that I didn't want to work for a person and I would just bail so I had this this knowledge about myself I needed to be true to myself and um, I was and it, I think it made me a better fundraiser as a result
0: So you did really well here um, and then you got the call to work in Austin for two years Right For so, the presidential uh, race with uh, George W. Bush.
1: Right. So I'd done a lot of volunteering for George Herbert Walker Bush and Barbara Bush when they were in office. And then uh, 91, 92, Kit Bond race, we used Karl Rove for our direct mail in mm-hmm. Austin. Nice guy. He was pretty inexpensive. He was very effective in fundraising um, via direct mail. We used him again for Ashcroft's race, 93, 94, when he replaced Jack Danforth in the United States Senate after his gubernatorial time. And um, then we ran, we actually shopped Ashcroft around for president. and I remember um, that? there wasn't a lot of interest for him. There just wasn't a lot of passion for him. And Carl called and said, I'm going to shop George W. And he at the time was governor of Texas. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, well, if you're coming to Missouri, I'd be happy to do an event for you in Kansas City. And sure enough, got got it all put together. And my longtime client, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, Buck O'Neill, mm-hmm. calls and says, I want to meet this guy. And I said, Um, Buck, he's a Republican. <laughs> and he said, I know, I know, but he's a baseball man. Yeah. And I thought, okay, now we're differentiating ourselves a little bit. So off we went, love fest between Buck and George W. And I ultimately did go to Austin. Well, actually, I was about the thirteenth employee of Bush for President, yeah, and was the deputy finance director.
0: Yeah, for the whole nation.
1: The nation. Yeah. yeah, and I went with my friend Jack Oliver. Okay. As a team, he was at. He actually became my boss. He was, I was his boss on Kits race, mm-hmm. and then he became my boss in the George George W.
0: So, Bush gets elected, Supreme Court. You know the whole thing. I was on the Gore side back then. Yep. <laughs> I was an intern with Al Gore. Um, you. Then decided you didn't want to go work in the White House or in politics, in, in government, right? You've been saying that throughout this, this interview. Right.
1: I never, ever wanted to. Why is that? I don't know. It's just kind of inefficient and ineffective and Where most people are Where like,
0: most people are like, you know what? i worked my butt off on this campaign. We're in the White House now. I want a cush administrative job. I want to work in the White House as a senior advisor. You were like, no.
1: I took this great job in New York City yeah, on it's, Wall Street that okay, was very it's, political.
0: So that kind of, that, that relationship, did that kind of grow out of your campaign?
1: Absolutely. And so
0: you made a relationship on your, your Bush campaign, and then you moved to New York.
1: Moved to New York and was taking my the chairman of UBS. They just bought Payne-Weber, this huge Swiss bank, and we were going to Washington constantly. I was in the White House constantly with my people.
0: Were you really? Yeah. So you're the vice president of public affairs at U UBS Payne-Weber.
1: Right, so I was responsible for governmental affairs and charitable giving. Regrettably, I was there on 9 11.
0: Okay. I didn't know that about you.
1: Oh, it was, yes. I was. So
0: you lived in New York City during 9 11. Mm hmm. So you were, I, that's amazing to me. I was still, i was in law school at Missoula when that happened. Um, so you weren't there very long.
1: I wasn't. I, after 9 11. You had this
0: cush, cush public policy job, charitable giving at the on Wall Street, probably making a lot of money. What happened? I got homesick. You got homesick. New
1: York was not the place to be on 9 11 if you didn't have any people. Yeah. And I had no people. I'd just gotten there and I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I think I might still be there had it not been for nine eleven.
0: The lifestyle, it was fast just paced. Fabulous.
1: Everything about it was great. But it was very, very lonely after nine eleven. Um
0: So you moved back?
1: Yeah. I came home. So you I came, came home. you
0: came home and then you um you continued on with your, your company, right?
1: I did. I reinvigorated the McKellar group and uh added all this new knowledge I had from my Washington experience yeah. and my New York experience. And so we added some legislative components, some financial tools, that sort of thing. And I, and I, for example, the Negro Leagues needed a piece of legislation passed uh, sure. in Washington to designate it the America's reservoir for all things Negro Leagues related. And um, so we spent a lot of time, on that kind of activity for nonprofit clients and, and further married politics and nonprofits for the greater good,
0: which is pretty innovative. It was very cool. Yeah.
1: And not very many people do that. And there's not that much kind of business in Kansas city, but it was just enough to keep me happy and, uh, find, find ways to just make Kansas city a greater place. And we, we got so much cooperation from Emmanuel Cleaver and, uh, at that time, Brownback was on appropriations in the Senate, and um, their kit was on appropriations. It was very, very effective. So you were
0: you were essentially an advocate, uh, a uh, public policy wonk, a relationship builder, and a nonprofit fundraiser.
1: Yeah, and it was really fun too. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> and then you uh, you went in and worked at Brian K for a while. That's when we met. Um, you were doing public policy work there, and then lo and behold, you kind of just switch paths here. Yep. You've always been an entrepreneur. You've always had a lot of different things happening to become a publisher and author. And we're going to, we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. But how the heck did that happen?
1: I was working with a friend at the McKeller group and uh, she was called away. Her mother was dying
0: mm-hmm. and she
1: was called to her bedside to tell her goodbye. And she came back the next day and her mother had lived. And she had this giant notebook, all of this information that she and her mom had compiled over the previous times. Her mom had tried to die and she still has not died. And, um, when I was a kid, my mom did die mm-hmm. and I didn't have any of the information like Christy and her mom had compiled. And I had always had on my heart to write this book, um, for others so that they would leave information behind for their people. And it's basically what I wanted from my mom. Mm-hmm. And in oh, large part, Christy had already started it with her mom. So we came together to write this book.
0: That must've been an interesting process. Oh my gosh. Trying to get a it's book. It's like ready. having
1: another marriage. Is it Yeah, a lot of work with a co-author and we did decide to self-publish because we wanted to control the look and the feel of the books and we knew it would be a series ultimately.
0: Is that a tough decision for you because because the publisher maybe gets you more more sales is that how it works
1: perhaps authors now have to do a lot of sales on their own. But we realized that we just didn't want to spend the time trying to find an agent or a publisher. Mm-hmm. And so we. But you
0: probably could have, with all your relationships you have.
1: We probably could have. But in, in,
0: in D.C. and in New York, I would imagine that wouldn't have been that hard for you.
1: We just didn't feel like it was worth the time. We wanted to go ahead and get the book written and get it out. And yeah. I think it was a good, very, very good decision.
0: Yeah, it's worked out for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh? I met John Grisham when he was here. And I said, hey, I'm thinking about writing a book like a million other people had said to him. And he said, yeah, do it, but just take your time with it. And he said, don't hurry to get on Amazon or get into Barnes and Noble. Just just take your time and figure it out. And I said, well, how how do you sell these books if you don't put them on Amazon? And he said, out of the trunk of your car. (laughs) And that's how we started.
0: Annie Presley is on the show today. We'll be right back with more. Uh, The website is booksbyace.com. so I shut the world outside Until the lights come Love of mine Someday you will die But I'll be close behind I'll follow you into the dark Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. We're talking to Annie Presley today who is a publisher and author and obviously has a rich history in government affairs and fundraising and has worked with uh, everybody from the governor of Missouri to U.S. senators to the president of the United States throughout the years. Um really want to focus this segment on Annie's books. Uh, her and her co-author have written a book called Read This When I'm Dead. It's a full series of books at readthis.guru. That's actually the new website. Again, that's readthis.guru. So, Annie, tell us about Read This When I'm Dead. Um, this is an interesting title. So
1: <laughs> Right. So one of the things... Book titles are like wine labels. People, A lot of people choose books based on what they look like. So we made our book really provocative. And it's also a really fun book given the title. And since my mom died when I was a kid, I have a real different outlook on death and dying. And Christy's mom has a horrible disease and keeps trying to die and doesn't. And so she has a sort of a different outlook as well. So we came together to write this book. Now, read the Read This series are guided journals, which means you actually write in the book after you buy it, and it becomes your story. You tell your story in our Read This series books. And the dead book is designed specifically in three sections. You first tell about yourself. That could be your health history, your family tree, your favorite family recipes anything that you want to leave behind in a written form for your family so that they remember all the fun stuff. And then the second section is all about your financial aspect of life, where your insurance is, where the the credit cards are, your passwords, um, just any bit of information that tells your story and then you can find the assets. So, 55% 55% of Americans don't have wills, and a whole bunch of assets are lost when a person dies mm-hmm. because they either haven't written down where they are, they might be electronic only, and nobody knows about the accounts. So, when my mom died, and this was 1971, we never found the savings account, never. And she just sold our big house and we moved into a small house. So we knew there was money and we never collected the life insurance, never found it. Mm. This happens every day, everywhere. So this whole second section is all about that part of your life, just the financial side of your life. Mm -hmm. And then the third section is about your funeral wishes. So for example, I'm going to be cremated and have my cremains separated in two halves. I'll bury half of myself in a vase next to my mom who's alone in Springfield Mo Cemetery, and the other half will be packed into fireworks and shot off at a giant party. My <laughs> husband will be hosting on my behalf.
0: <laughs> so
1: it's really it's a really, really fun book. It's packed full of resources and ideas and information. There's one whole section that's very popular called The Poop on My Pets. Mm. So we found out when we were kids how to take care of the dog. Water, food, we knew how to do that. Take
0: him out, yes.
1: We didn't know where he went to the vet. Had no idea.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's just basic information like that that is all captured in this book, and it becomes your story.
0: So do people what, – what's the reaction when you give them this book?
1: Well, what we have, if
0: I give this to my mother who's turning 70, I think, uh, next year, what is she going to say to me? She,
1: well, first, here's how, here's <laughs> how you're going to give it to her. You're going to say, oh, my gosh, this is so crazy. I have this fun friend, and she uh, wrote well, this she book. Well, she loves
0: you because she watches on TV.
1: And say, I, you know, I never really thought about this, Mom, but can you write all this stuff down so I know what to do when and, the time and, and comes? And to be
0: fair, I'm an only child, so I have to do everything.
1: Yeah, and so is my co-author. Yeah. She is exactly like Christy's the only one, and so she and her mom have um, really worked hard at making it you know, a happy end-of-life story. Mm-hmm. And one thing that we know about American culture is that we're really bad about celebrating a life well-lived we just don't do it. We're, we're morose. We avoid it. We pretend like we're not going to die. And, of course, everybody dies. Mm-hmm. I saw Arianna Huffington when she was here 18 months ago, and she said, you know, you're all going to die. Everybody has an expiration date. And the and the place just went quiet. It's It's just horrible how our culture doesn't talk about it. And right. so our book is really fun and funny, and the whole idea is to get it written down and share it with your people. So your mom is a great example it's time for her to kind of get all this sorted out and it's in a single location. You can just flip through it and fill out whatever pages you want
0: mm-hmm. and um and then you got that and then you you in more positive news you had uh, read this on our anniversary, which came out
1: read this on our anniversary a similar guided journal you tell about how you met mm-hmm. and your romance and your engagement ceremony, honeymoon, and then each year you pull this book off the shelf and you write about. How you celebrated your anniversary, mm-hmm. and what you did, what's working, what's not working, and it's it's a little bit of a way to just stay in touch with your mate, and and keep a handle on that that absolute love and affection that you felt at the very beginning, mm-hmm. so that you don't lose it midway. <laughs>
0: and uh, we see that happening a lot, and it's good for your uh, kids to look through and your ancestors.
1: And that that's this,
0: this book lives on for many generations.
1: This is a great book to tell more stories. And we also know if stories aren't told by the third generation, they're lost. And that's a shame. There's, there's a little bit of an enthusiasm right now for handwriting, once again, despite the fact that...
0: Everything's tech now, computers.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People are starting to write again. And um, baby boomer women tend to be our, our most likely candidates. Mm-hmm.
0: So you got that. And then a third part of the series is read this on your birthday. On now, your birthday. This is for uh, children, I would assume.
1: So a special kid in your life, Mm -hmm. and you pick up the book and tell about how you met the kid, and then every year on their birthday, you fill it out and say what they want to be when they grow up, what their favorite food is, any accomplishments that they've enjoyed.
0: This is a good gift for a newborn.
1: It's a great present, and if you're a godfather or you're an uncle or you're just a friend of the family, you can fill this book out for 21 years for this child and hand it to that child on their 21st birthday. And they have a lovely set of memories. Of I have no idea what I wanted to be when I was five years old. Mm-hmm. And I don't have anybody to ask. And so, again, this is just something to write down and tell your story.
0: I, I do know what I wanted to be because we had something in second grade that oh. I had to fill out, and I had a, a picture of it still at my parents' house because they kept a lot of that stuff. So the I was a football to, player. Do you think you I would think have think I think I had a Phil Sims oh. cardboard cutout. I would not have remembered, but I have that thing
1: so these are these are about capturing life's treasures mm-hmm. this is the memories that are important
0: uh, again you can get these at read this.guru annie uh where else can you pick up your books i know well, they're on sale day, yeah they're
1: they're really all over town in various places there are a number of um, bookstores bookstores and um just gift shops too They're lee summit um, martin city the village there are places all around so uh, all of those are listed on our website
0: they're all over the place, and mm-hmm. you also are on Amazon.
1: Amazon and, and com. yes. Um, now, birthday's not due out until December 1st. It won't start shipping till December 1st. But great birthday gift. Anniversary, of course, is a great wedding gift or an anniversary gift. And then dead is actually fabulous for those you love and you expect to um, be a part of their long-term plans.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, really interesting how you've, how you've built this. This is part of a series now.
1: Part of a series, we... Um, You're going to
0: have to keep thinking of more ideas to keep building on this. You know, years. <laughs> people, people are
1: giving us ideas now.
0: Okay, good. And
1: um, we've actually been approached by others who have offered to co-author books under our series. And we are talking to two different people right now about different titles. So we'll have... We're, our goal is to have two new books every year. And we have outlined the first one for next year and wow. have already started
0: awesome. the fifth
1: one for next year. Yep.
0: Annie Presley, uh, publisher and author uh, in here in Kansas City. Uh, Books are amazing. Get them at readthis.guru or throughout town at various bookstores, also on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. The website, again, is readthis.guru on there. You can find all their social media handles uh, and all the information about it. Uh, Annie Presley, thanks for coming on the show today, and congrats on all your success.
1: Jason, thanks. Great to see you again.
0: Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take care.